The issues discussed on the Roll Call Room podcast do not reflect the opinions of any specific agency. Any characters discussed on this show may be fictional for comedic value unless you're a shitbag Steve. This podcast is rated explicit and listener discretion is advised. Success can be a lonely road. It can be a tough road. It can be a hard road. It's not for everyone. Those who follow others like sheep will never know who they truly are. Only those who follow their own path can discover their true potential. Those who fly alone have the strongest wings. Those who walk alone have the strongest direction. The rest will always be in need of others for their survival. They will always need attention, need recognition to survive. I am at peace alone, needing no attention, no recognition, and still I thrive. I'm not saying those who have support are weak. I'm not saying you must go at it alone to gain strength. This is just for those who have fought battles alone. Those who have felt like they don't fit in. Those who have never had support in anything they do. All of those who feel no one believes in them. You don't need them to believe in you if you believe in you. You don't need their support if you've got your own back. The best part is when you truly live the life you want to live, When you speak your truth, when you embrace who you are, then you gain real respect and real love. People love those who have the guts to be themselves. Those who have the courage to follow their heart. Why? It's rare. Why? Because most people wish they could do the same. Show them the way. Keep going. Believe in yourself. It will all come good in the end. And when it does, you won't have only inspired yourself to be more. You will have inspired so many others. I had to learn to fight alone. And because of that, I am strong alone. I am strong, full stop. I developed inner strength that can't be broken. I am unbreakable. Because of the pain, I am strong. Because of the struggle, I have character most will never know. I appreciate others more than ever. I have more compassion than ever. I had to go deep into the darkness. Now I have more depth. Now I can see clearer. I had to face huge internal challenges. Now I can defeat any challenge. I will destroy every challenge. I am proud of who I have become. I am proud I have overcome. I am proud I kept going. I am proud of who I am, who I've become. I am proud I stay true to myself because now I can live as myself. 
with respect from others, and most importantly, pride and respect from myself. And welcome to the Roll Call Room podcast, the podcast that pissed shitbag Steve's off and fucked over my dad. And now your host and my daddy, Nick. Hey everybody! Welcome to ah yeah. oh, motherfucker. Fuck. <laughs> hey everybody, it's Nick from the Roll Call Room podcast uh, with my co-host. Yo, Mike. What up? How's everybody doing? Um, happy to be back for another episode of Drug Interdiction Part Two because we could not fit it all in one. Uh, what she said. Um, so I think that this will be part two of, I don't know, it might even be another one. We are welcoming back Mike from 720 Interdiction. What's up, bud? What's up, man? How you guys doing? Good. Holy shit. Part one. Um, one of the highest trending episodes of Roll Call Room history. Uh, it was the highest trending, the highest <laughs> Um, listen to episode in a five day period. Um, Mike, you are such an asshole. No, listen, man, <laughs> I, for the record, for the record, um, <laughs> this guy has been on your ball sack since we did part one nonstop. Oh, I text Mike all day long. I love this guy. He's so cool. You're jealous. <laughs> and so that's why he's asking me for shirtless pics or what? <laughs> yeah, yes. Uh, by the way, the one you sent me yesterday, yum e. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, funny story is Mike uh, from Seven Twenty texts me like I think a couple of days after we released the episode, and we were talking, and I'm uh, I'm in Dollar Tree, and I'm uh, you know Mike's like, uh, what are you doing? I'm like, nothing. I'm, I'm unemployed now, so I got all the fucking time in the world. So him and I are talking, and uh, Mike's like. I'm next to a car and this guy just gave me the fucking felony look. He goes, he goes, uh, he's definitely got something in the car. And I'm like, okay. All right. And we're talking. He goes, bro, I'm going to have to go, man. Uh, I got to go. Cause this, this looks like a good car. So, uh, you're always fucking hunting, Mike. Yeah, bro. I have to, man. It's my job. Yeah. So have you, have you gotten some, um, have you gotten some feedback after your part one episode? Yeah, bro, I did it in the sense that uh, we picked a lot of new members from the East Coast, man. 
a lot of folks from your area, dude. Yeah. So, man, I appreciate that so much, uh, especially to the listeners. Thank you so much. Um, if you uh, register to join our LEO page, uh, we're fixing to launch a new subscription site on our website where officers uh, will pay you know a monthly subscription fee. It's not going to be very much at all. But they're going to have unlimited access to be able to watch all the videos they want, um, a lot of how-to videos, like how to search an engine properly, how to do this, how to do that. And the cool thing about those is, they're all from body cam, bro. So they're real live videos. We're pulling dope out of engines, like real dope, real engines, us pulling this shit out. Yeah. That's awesome. So, yeah. Well, I will tell you um, the feedback on social media and um, uh, via email has been unbelievable. People, officers are um, in their cruisers. They're, they've got their stand down orders, obviously with COVID going on. Um, they're, they're thirsty and they're hungry for classes or knowledge, uh, knowledge-based podcasts where um, they can learn a thing or two once the uh, stand-down order is lifted, which should be pretty soon, I, I would imagine. Um, COVID is pretty much over. Well, I mean, all they got to do is, what is it, drink bleach or whatever, and it'll get rid of it, <laughs> whatever this shit's going around that Trump supposedly said. <laughs> Dude, I've been, I've, been, I've been chewing on Tide Pods for two days now. and all I Not working? Is, well, I just keep shitting bubbles. I don't know. Bro, you've been chewing on Tide Pods for the last 10 years. You've been studying, working to get to this point. Well, that's why I'm no longer employed. Is oh, That's why it doesn't right. work, bro. And there it is. Ring the bell. <laughs> no more bell. We got no more bell. That's right. All right. about it. So, Mike, uh, my co-host, Mike, you want to kick it off? Uh, let's pick up right where we left off uh, part one. Yeah. Awesome. So, a uh, lot of positive feedback from guys uh that i know that actually still do police work um they love the episode they were all about it um so they wanted to know more and i know we wanted to peel back the layers from part one so i know you know we're just going to give them just the tip here giggity and uh not bravo delta we're not going to go balls deep in this thing yet but (laughs) so um so all right so you were talking i want to talk about the art the art of the stop right because the going back to the reference that I used in part one, as far as eagle eye goes, right? You see it, you know it. There's that sensation that something's going on here. The body language, whether it's a hand-to-hand transaction at a car door window, whatever the case may be. But when you were talking about, I guess, closing the back, closing closing the gap on the interdiction yeah. part on the vehicle, what exactly are you looking for when you hit the road? Like when you when you brief and you're like, let's get it. Then you get out there. Are you um, are you in a marked car? Are you in an unmarked car? Like, kind of like give us a rundown on how your day is till you get that good stop. And like, yeah. what's the process of you know? This is like a multi tier question, so we'll keep it so we don't die of you know boredom here run ons. But what is like your main focus for that day when you hit the road? Yeah. So so yeah, we are in in, uh, in marked vehicles, and I think that's ultra important to have marked units when you're doing any kind of interdiction work, right? Because the one thing you're, you're, you're counting on is that stimulus, the behavior being stimulated, right? Um, as soon as they see that patrol car, um, I guess the theory, the principle is, you know, that, that consequence takes over, especially when you're hauling $500,000, somebody else's money, right? And somebody else's money who's going to kill your family or, or, you know, you're going to get punished if you lose it. Bare bones minimum, you're going to get punished if you lose that much money. Um whether it's making it up or getting what they call uh, down in Mexico, tablazos, 
um, where they take a two by four and beat the shit out of the bottom of your legs and your ass. Oh yeah. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, dude. It's vicious, man. Vicious. Like you see the videos online. It is vicious, bro. Like I met a, I met a guy who would happen to, and, um, he, he got asylum. So they just dropped him off. His family dropped him off at the bridge, dude. And they just, yeah. And he, he actually showed us pictures of it and it was all by mistake. No kidding. They thought he was somebody else. They kidnapped him at his daughter's birthday party, hung him on a, hung him on a hook, handcuffed on a hook for three days. And he said, they just beat the back of his legs. And he said, they even, uh, they got a fillet knife and they took it to his ass cheek and they filleted out his whole ass cheek. Yeah, bro. He showed us pictures of this Holy like, shit. in my police car. Yeah. Yeah. I had, I had a guy from out of state riding with me. And uh, just said, bro, this is, I want you to say, this is a reality of what we deal with, man. These are the people that we deal with, right? And um, so, you know, you know, but some of these guys, man, and that's the thing about the interdiction side of it, that, that some of these people are just so, um, I, I guess I could say seasoned, experienced, or so tolerant of law enforcement, man. Um, so that relies a lot on our training and experiences in law enforcement, where, <clears throat> You know, you got to, you really, really have to understand like the psychology part of it, um, that regardless of what they're doing, no matter how tolerant they are, how many times you've been stopped, searched, whatever, right? The body still, um, still bleeds these behaviors, all right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's the sympathetic nervous system kicking in um, and it's telling your body, look, man, I'm facing a fear. Now I got to react, right? So what happens? The heart starts pounding, right? Uh, it's putting blood into your larger muscles so you can fight harder, run faster, think better, you know, smell better, whatever, right? Um, so, so all of that is occurring. Person can't control that. Now, there's a lot of people out there that could have tolerance to it, right? Um, so, like in our area, remember what I said last episode is that they're going to move dope north, right? Let's say it's a vehicle coming straight out of Mexico and it's going to head up to Georgia or head up to you guys, Virginia. Um, they have to go through a, a federal port of entry first, right? Um, then up the road, about 50 miles, they go through a federal checkpoint, immigration checkpoint, that has canines 24-7. From there, they have to make it. We're about two hours north of the border. So they about another 45 minutes up, 30 minutes up, they'll hit us. But in that time span, bro, there's cops everywhere. Like straight up, dude. There's dudes working this highway. So... I look personally, I look for these little, little, just little behaviors, right? That, that this person just can't control. It's their body's way of freeze, fight or flight, right? Mm-hmm. A reaction to fear. Um, every human being goes through it. But again, that tolerance and the amount of times you do it successfully really, really add to that behavior to be able to mask it if you would physically mask it. Um, so some of the things I look for, yeah. So um, if you're on a two lane highway, I always pipe. Perpendicular to the highway, so there's no doubt that I'm a five zero, right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of these folks know that if you're facing traffic, you're on a radar, right? Mm-hmm. A lot yeah. of folks know that, especially these drug smugglers, man, that we deal with. So facing perpendicular, I'm not a traffic kind of cop, right? Um, so I, as line of sight, I try to track as many cars as I can, line of sight. Um, I look for the ones that, again, like I said last episode, closing the gap and opening the gap, right? So. You can't see their brakes. So how do you determine whether or not they're slowing down? Well, they start to close that gap with the cars behind them and open the gap with the cars in front, right? It's something else that I look at. And this might be a little subjective, but nonetheless, it's it's 
been great for me, man. It's stopping cars are actually loaded. Is I'll just give you an example: a young guy driving an Impala, getting passed by some winter Texans in a fucking Winnebago. Doesn't make sense, right? Does not make sense one bit, man. Right. Uh, but nonetheless, again, that's one of those subjective things that. Eh. But there's a reason he's driving like that, right? There's a reason. Now, as they pass me, I have three phases that I usually look for. One is a line of sight down the road as they're approaching. Second is right as they pass me. Like the second they pass me, what happens? What happens, right? So I look for what's called a limbic reaction, right? The limbic reaction is a non-cognitive emotional response um, to fear, right? In this case, it would be fear. The amygdala tells the body, I got to protect myself. Um, the body has these reactions to relieve stress and anxiety, right? Um, I referenced like a bully last week. Um, let's say you're walking down a hall in high school. Every high school in America has a bully, right? It's just you and him walking opposing sides, opposite directions down a hallway. You're walking to the restroom. There's no students in the hall. And you know that if you look at this dude, he's going to talk some shit, right? You just know it. Now, your options are I look right at him. Right, and open up that line of communication where he can talk shit, and I'm probably going to end up in a fight. Or I look away from the guy, I don't pay any attention to him, and I go about my way. So if you're the guy that's not out there looking for a fight, you just want to just go to the bathroom and get back, what do you do? You walk, you look away from this guy. You stare at a fucking blank wall right? that you pass every single day, but all of a sudden now it's fucking intriguing. right? But your body's telling you to do that. There's nothing involved in that brain. Like There's no cognitive thinking behind it. Right. It's just non-cognitive emotional response. You're you fear this thing. So what do you do? You look away from it. If you can't physically flee, the way your body deals with that is looking away. So that's one of those things, dude, that as soon as they pass me, if I see them like even do just look away from me a bit, it grabs my attention. Now, am I saying I'm going to go right after him? No, that's where my third phase comes in. Right. And, and let me just back up. That's not the only reaction I look for. Only if they look away, right? There, there are several, but it's pacifying movements that I'm looking for, right? What are those? Those are those 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 physical movements by the hands, by the face, by the beating on the drums, the steering wheel, right? Where they're trying to release that anxiety, and they're doing it again without cognition. There's no thought process involved in it, right? It's their body's way of like, holy shit, there's a cop. I got 50 keys of coke. I'm fucking nervous, man. Right. Mm-hmm. So how do I release that? I'll beat on the fucking drums or, you know, I'll, I'll beat on the steering wheel. So so their body has to find a way to deal with that stress and they deal with it in that way. Right. They move their hands move their shoulders. They get animated when they're talking to their passenger. Right. Um, and something that I always tell my students is, look, man, this dude's seen fucking mesquite tree branches for the last four hours in South Texas. And all of a sudden, the second he passes me, what does he do? Looks at fucking more ranches. Just, you know, those behaviors are what I look for. So that's they're 12 o'clock past me. And if they grab my attention at the 12 o'clock, I'll watch them going away from me. How do they react to the traffic around them? Right. You have to believe that he's driving slower than everybody else. He or she is driving slower than everybody else for a reason. Now here's the tricky part about interdiction. though. Criminal addiction is just that man. If somebody's driving without a driver's license, somebody's driving without insurance, somebody has a warrant, you're going to pick a lot of those people off a lot, man. And it gets frustrating sometimes. And I get a lot of feedback like that from my students after we do a class like that. And here's what I tell them. They're stopping the right cars, man. They're criminals. They know they're doing something wrong. They know it. They know they're doing something wrong. It's no different than a beat cop 
working in the city, working in the area. A dude leaves a freaking dope house. He bought a, a dime of weed. If they still sell that shit up there. And, um, you know, as soon as your squad car gets behind him, takes the first right without even thinking about it. Right. He's like, fuck, I don't even know anybody on the street, but yeah, well, fuck, I'll take the first right. Then I'll pull into somebody's alleyway. Right. Makes no sense. But his, his brain's telling him what this dude behind me probably knows I have dope, even though you're probably just on your way to a call and his mind fucking knows, dude, no different than a smuggler. Right. So many times, bro, where we stop a car and pull dope out of this car. Right. And um, the first question is, somebody tell me, especially if you find it pretty quickly, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did somebody put the, like they say down here, did somebody put the devil or the finger on you? And uh, yeah, no, nobody put the finger on you, bro. We're just doing our jobs here. That fucks up. <laughs> so, yeah. So, so that's really what we look for as far as the behavior before the stop, right? Okay. So, um, so I know... And that makes sense because any good cop that's kind of doing any kind of interdiction work, they're going to see all these behavioral indicators. And the only way you get to that point is by interacting with people more and more. You have to interact with people more and more because it's a process of elimination. So if you deal with a thousand people, you're going to start to compartmentalize these people and put them here and say, okay, when I found this, when I found Coke on this guy or when I found weed in this guy's crotch or whatever the case may be, or a gun on his waistband, he exhibited these behaviors. So this is this is what you're doing. It, I mean, it can take a class to recognize these things, but it's really a it's really experience, good, bro. experience, right? You have to see the proof is in the pudding. You got to see these things for yourself because there's trends, right? That these guys use and they keep it in certain areas and blah, blah, blah. And there's things that they do, but you have to be able to hone in on that skill because people want it, but it's an art. Like I said, it's the eagle eye. So when you said following the vehicle, when I work, when I do interdiction work on the Interstate 95 that runs through our jurisdiction, and I'm running radar, and I'm looking at the number one thing I look for is, well, you know, out of state plates. What's your business here? What are you coming through here for? Are you going here? I mean, we're in mass tra- We're in national capital region, so we're a major drug route to people to get back. You know, traffic guns well, from I Virginia, it, that's, that's from a- traffic guns from Virginia up to New York City. And tobacco and everything else, I mean, it's a major smuggling route. That's why all the money's here in the National Capital Region. But the other thing is temp tags. You know, temp tags is huge, you know, uh, paper plates. So that those are some of the things that I look for. And like I said, the pettier, the, you know, the, um, the reason for the stop, the bigger the bust. And the problem is people don't – and what I've seen now is guys don't want to waste the time on it because they're looking for fucking El Chapo. Like, look, motherfucker, the low, anyone who's taken a good narcotic or drug interdiction course that I took one that was put on by Virginia State Police and in, and these guys, and they came from Texas and I'm, we could talk offline about the company. I know you know who they are. They're out of Dallas, mm-hmm. but they came and there was a narcotics one week long class, but they talked specifically about this area and about how these narcotics work and how they traffic. And anybody knows that it's the low line. You catch the low hanging fruit to catch the oh, big guy. Out, bro. Yeah. You have to catch this motherfucker that's peddling dime bags and nickels because he's the one who's going to flip to the next guy and so on and so forth. Once you dump his phone and you're going to see that you're going to see that connection. And um, so I understand what you're saying, like as far as the Mark Cruiser goes too, because narc cartel operations are very, very sophisticated. So if you're using an unmarked car, they could think that 
it's another cartel trying to steal their load or whatever the case may be. And, you know, that puts you in a higher risk of more danger uh, with a shooter. Am, am I wrong? No, no. And you know what I mean? Houston Police Department had one like that. Um, yeah, they, they were working a snitch deal. Guy was an 18 wheeler. They're following him. He, he's, he's a CI. He's delivering a load of coke. Uh, some Zetas up in Houston. I, I, I may be wrong about the cartel, but I believe it the Zetas. They were following this guy, right? They got a freaking helicopter following him. Bad guy. Or I'm sorry. They're snitch driving an 18 wheeler. It's loaded, right? Following him. You have unmarked following it. Bro, the bad guys went to go rip the load. Killed the freaking driver in front of these these officers. Yeah. Oh yeah, dude. Holy they ripped, shit. They pulled right in front of him, stopped the trailer, got him out, killed him. Yeah. Tried taking the load and a big old gunfight broke out. Yeah. Shit. So so yeah, shit gets real, dude. You know, you know Mike, it's one go ahead. Uh Mike, I I got a question for you, and I think you kind of answered it already, which is is one of the emails that I got from um from a fan is is that they're a city cop. So they're not they're not in a rural area. They're not on a long stretch of road. And I think you kind of answered this person's question, but I'm going to I'm going to answer it anyway, which is, is between, you know, being a city cop, you're 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 bound by calls for service. It's constant bullshit calls for service, barking dogs, uh, you, you know, too many people in a city park on, you know, on quarantine or whatever the fuck the bullshit calls are. What's your advice for a city cop that's trying to do drug interdiction in between calls for service? Um, you know, I know that you said about um, the stationary post thing, which I think is phenomenal because the majority of mindset for patrol officers are um, if I'm running radar or I want to do interdiction, I need to be stealth. I need to hide. And, and, and I like your philosophy, with, which is, is that's how you're going to get those indicators. That's how yeah. you get those indicators. So what, what would be your advice to the, to the city cop? Um, so the, the number one thing is to understand this, right? There is zero difference, zero difference from a guy running 50 kilos of coke, right? To a guy running 50 grams of coke, zero difference whatsoever in the behaviors. Why? Because they both have consequences, man. They both have consequences. Yeah, the 50 keys is a hell of a lot more of a consequence. But does a person look long-term? No, the, the brain doesn't think about it like that, right? We're very um, short-term thinking people. So so we don't think so far in advance, man. We think of consequence. Right now, when a cop gets behind you, the last thing that this guy's thinking about is, holy fuck, that's 50 years versus, I don't know, if I had 50 grams, uh, five months or whatever. That's the last thing that happens, bro, right? They just think they're going to jail. Got to be away from their families. They're going to owe somebody some dope. That's it. There's the consequence, right? Right. Um, so the number one thing that I would look for there, man, especially for city cops, and I get asked this question a lot, does it work in the city? Yeah. The reason it works in the city because behavior is behavior is behavior is behavior is behavior no matter what across the board, right? People behave when they have a consequence. You should get at least some type of stimulated reaction. Remember what I said, though, there are those people that are very tolerant, right? But there's still behaviors, right? Physiological movements and whatnot. These people cannot control, man. And um, so this, to the city cop, if if you know there's a dope house like in your area, right, that you're working, even if it's like a freaking just a dime bag weed house and you want to really perfect your skill, yeah, dude, park in a marked unit, like perpendicular from the street, like a way where this, these dudes coming into this house can't see you. Right. But the next intersection, they see you and watch that reaction. Mm. Just watch that freaking reaction, man. Like, look, 
pay attention just to the freaking the small, small movements. You get to the intersection, you're looking right at this guy. See what he does when he sees you, right? Does he look away from you? Does he, you know, does he tell you hi? What, what does he do, right? So all of those little things matter, man. And you have to believe that there's a reason. There's a freaking reason that this guy looked away from you, right? right? There is, man. So um, just, you know, yeah. Yeah, so, <clears throat> all right. So going back to my, so let's say, I mean, we're going to take a 30-minute break here soon. 30 minutes? Uh, what, three minutes? You said three minutes? Three minutes. We're going to take a, a break, not a 30-minute break. 30 minutes. going out the- bro, It's only 23 minutes in, dude. I know, but you just said we're going to take a 30-minute break. Oh, uh, whatever. Our oh, 30 minute break. I'm 20 in. miles, dude. Yeah, Mike from 720 is going to do 1,000 push-ups. No-handed. No-handed. <laughs> no-handed. <laughs> anyway, so... I don't work You've heard. from it anymore. Jesus. <laughs> Fourth time I said that this episode. <laughs> well, shit. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Jesus, bro. This guy needs help. Uh, just I, take I, the break now so we could get into it, man. Cause I, I yeah, go ahead. We just threw him off with the, with yeah, the, you did. <laughs> All right. So we're going to, uh, we're going to take a quick break and, um, and then we're going to come back and we're going to get into the stops. <laughs> Law enforcement officers are dying at an alarming rate, not at the hands of criminals, but at their own hands, leaving loved ones to pick up the pieces, leaving our brothers and sisters lost, leaving them praying for answers, leaving them praying for someone to do something. We are hurting. We are struggling. We are demanding answers and change. We are the public's guardians and protectors. Now, for the first time, someone is speaking up. From the creators of the Roll Call Room podcast comes peer support training for law enforcement. This training will define our legacy as a profession and change the stigma about mental health in law enforcement. This training will hopefully stop the epidemic of suicides in our profession. All right, we are back from break. I love that song, dude. That MTV music video wanted me to become a cop. Like <laughs> drive a, a box Caprice over a hill at like ninety miles an hour. Bro. That song used to get me so pumped up to do like jump outs and shit. Like 
like the badass toupee uh, and mustache. Uh, now, yeah. it, now it gets me pumped up to go to the refrigerator and get cream cheese from the bagel. <laughs> no, that's the fifth reference of. Okay, all right. <laughs> so we're back, ladies and gentlemen. We're back with Mike from Seven Twenty Prediction. Um, Mike was uh, going to get into a question, uh, and I threw him off. So you did, ah, you did. bro. You're good. Yeah, no, no, no. We're you look good. sexy today, by the way. All right. By both mics, right? Oh, Mike, Mike. More Mike from Seven Twenty. It's oh, like, cool. you know, folks. Just so you know, we use Squadcast, so we have video, but it's not recorded. But we can all see each other. And Mike from 720 Interdiction is on top, like the top screen on my thing. And then Mike, my co-host, is on the bottom. It's like the before and after picture of yes. quarantine. It's like yes. it's like Mike from 720 was what you looked like before you went into quarantine. And then Mike below is like, <laughs> it's like several fucking weeks into it. Fucking seven days a week of Grubhub, fucking Chipotle and fucking. Oh. Sorry. I love Stop. you so much. I love you. I still look better than you, though. But anyways, so um, all right. So going back to the stop. So you're you're posted up. You're doing your stationary thing. You see something that's juicy. Um, what do you do? You get behind there. Are you are you guys two to a car or no? No, we roll we roll in single units. Yeah, single. Okay, market. so you see it. Yeah. So what's your spiel? You make your approach. You stop it. Do you let them know? Are you guys yeah, on your bro. own channel? Are you on a main channel? Or- yeah, so so it, it depends where we're working, um, but most of the time, yeah, I'll dispatch off one of the channels. Um, we we have well, it depends where we're working, right? We we can work off of a city channel, we can work off another city's channel. Um, so yeah, we dispatch off the channel, and um, usually we'll get a text from one of the guys if he thinks he has something. You know, we'll just get a, a, a group text and hey man, I think I got a load. Can somebody come back me up? I'm out here right now, or we can send it on the MDTs or whatever, right? Um, so that's usually the way it goes, man. But but the thing about it is, um, man, I, I wish I could tell guys that if you took a class or if you did this or you did that, man, that you're going to be successful like the second you fucking left, right? Um, but dude, like you like you talked about earlier, Mike, a lot of it, man, what comes from that experience, bro, of getting out there, man. Like so, once our guys, I, I cannot expect, dude, for an interdiction guy to to, to be. Even a one-year full-time interdiction guy and get out there and just fucking slay loads, man. It's not gonna happen. It's not gonna happen, man. It's just not skill, dude. Yeah, you you know, um, a few months ago I did a, a, a news interview here in South Texas on um, the success of our team, right? And it was a uh, one of these like uh, one year after checking to see how successful you guys have been deals. The, the the first question this young lady asked me is, um, you know, have they met your expectations? And I said, let me let me just say this. If they would have hit one load this entire year as a team, they would have surpassed my expectations mm-hmm. because it's that difficult. So I, 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 I consider all those things, man, is right. Mike, a lot of them come down to, to that experience, bro. Like experience trumps. You don't have to tell a brand new rookie cop what a nervous person looks like a year later, right? You don't have to preach these guys. They've been to enough calls. They've dealt with enough people that they know what nervous people look like, what they do, their mannerisms, right? Any person can go out and watch live PD, dude. They're going to see it, right? Plain as day, you're going to see it. Um, but we look for that stimulus behavior. Um, I, I do something, man, that maybe not everybody does, and a lot of it's policy-driven, right? And, and we catch, depending on some of these interdiction, like uh, groups that we're on on Facebook, we'll catch some bullshit for it from some people, and some people agree, 
Dude, you know how cops are, right? Insane, dude. Some agree, some don't. And everybody brings up their school of thought. And nobody ever agrees on shit. They end up getting in arguments. Mm-hmm. The whole deal, right? So um, when I pull somebody over, man, I, I always introduce myself. Now, here's the thing about it, right? This is something I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a lot of referring back to my, my, my classes, right? Because this is the same stuff that I'm teaching in my classes, bro, is this. You have to understand that, that human beings need one thing, man. One thing to want to be open and, and, and trustworthy, right? They have to have safety. They have to, bro. They have to. If somebody doesn't like you or they don't feel safe around you, they're not going to be fucking cool with you, dude. They're not going to want to sit and talk to you. They're not going to want to have conversations like this, right? Just give me my fucking ticket and get me the fuck out of here. It's just the way it is. All right? So you have split fucking just a split second, dude, to make up that I'm a trustworthy guy who you can fucking befriend. Fair enough. But again, dude, I'll tell you straight up, this comes a lot from experience where you're not that rookie cop, the robot mentality, fucking seven step violator. Let me see your driver license on so and so. You're getting a ticket, you're getting this, you're getting that, you're getting this, right? Dude, you're, yeah, what, do you, what are you to this person? You're every cop they've ever contacted, right? But what you want to be is the anomaly, man. You want to be that cop that this person is not ready for, right? Yeah. If you watch my interviews, I walk up. Hey, how you guys doing, man? I'm Mike Tamez, uh, task force, whatever, right? Uh, can I see your driver license and insurance? And while they're doing that, I'm already starting to break down the vehicle visually, right? I have what's called a rapid assessment, and it's a three-phase rapid assessment. First one is I drive alongside the vehicle before I stop them, right? Seeing how many people are in the car for my safety, right? Seeing if there's any additional offenses. And I'm looking to see if there's any kind of modifications to the vehicle. Right. Or for instance, if there's mud in one part of the vehicle, but there's not mud in another part of the vehicle, they'll do that to mask any of the tooling and tampering that we might see during a search. Right. They'll try to make it blend in just by throwing mud up on something. Um, so as I'm walking up, I start breaking that down, dude. I start looking at the bumper. I start looking at, well, the bumper shroud around the bumper. I look on the inside of the rear fenders, I look at the condition of the tires, the lug nuts. Talk to my driver while I'm talking to the driver and the passenger. I'm scanning the interior, right? One, obviously for weapons, for officer safety. Um, but two, I'm looking at any type of scarring on the dash. I'm looking for any type of tooling on the seat bolts that mount the seats to the floor. Um, I'm looking at the headliners. I'm looking at all the trim paneling, as much as I can get, right? Mm-hmm. I step away from the car. I look on the inside of the front fender wells, and then I look at the firewall area or the what they call the HVAC air intake channel, which is where fresh air comes into the car through a channel and goes in. Why? Because every single one of those spots can be exploited to, to have a compartment in it or even natural space to hide dope, right? right. And it's and, 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 and Mike, uh, like for those, the, the street cops, right, bro? Like if you think that that your street dealers or your small time movers are just going to have shit in their crotch or their pockets. Bro, those days are over, man. Like live PD, cops, all these shows, man. Dude, these dudes get educated, man. They know what we're looking for, right? If I were a street dealer guy, there's no way I'd put that shit on me, man. It would be somewhere hidden in the car, obviously, right? And now, especially like where you're at, dude, there's a shitload of electronic traps that are built. In the New York area, New Jersey, all those places, dude, they're building freaking traps like crazy. Just small electronic traps, bro, to hide a kilo, a gun, whatever, right, from the cops. So um, I, I sit everybody in my unit with me that I pull over, the driver at least. I sit them in my patrol car. 
And that's where we have that little, where, you know, street cops are like, there's no fucking way I'm sitting somebody in my car. Well, if I'm working the streets, I'm not sitting anybody in my car either. Why? Because a smuggler, here's a big difference, bro. Your smuggler that's moving kilos, pounds, and a lot of money, he's not invested in that load, is he? He's not. He's a transporter. He's a company guy. He makes his money when? When there's a successful delivery. The guy that, that's that street dealer, he's invested in that freaking dope. Hmm. Right? He's invested in it. Yep. He bought, you know, $1,000 worth of weed or whatever. He's invested in that because that's his way to make money. So he has a lot more to lose, man. Those are the guys that you really don't want to sit in your car, right? You don't want to give them that chance, dude, to, to make this thing develop into a fight or whatever, shooting, whatever. So there's a big difference in the people we deal with. I could tell you, dude, um, 20 years, I've worked this highway, oh, God, dude, on and off for the last 17, 18, and I've never been in a fight on the highway. Not once. Not once. Never. Like, anytime I find a compartment, I'm, I just walk up to the guy. I'm like, hey, man. You're being detained. There's a compartment in your car. And they're like, huh? Yeah. Yeah. There's a compartment in your car. And that's it. That's the way it goes down. Dude. These dudes are, they, they, they don't want to bring that heat, bro. They know what's going to happen if they bring heat on a law enforcement officer in the United States, a cartel guy. Nothing good can come from that for these people. Trust me, bro. Trust do they me. Clean? Do they come clean about the, uh, the compartment? It, it depends, dude. It depends. Um, some you think would like I, I had this uh um I stopped this older guy um in his uh, older 60-ish. Uh he's driving a red Chevy truck. And uh as soon as he passes me, so when he sees me line of sight, he's on the lane closest to me. I'm perpendicular to the highway. Right? I, I mean the second he sees me line of sight, he pushes over to the far right lane. Okay. Okay, he's following the law. In Texas, you have to stay in the right lane. Okay. So so cool. We can chalk that one up to that. Now, right as he passes me, dude, there's nothing to the right of him but an empty freaking plowed field, right? As soon as he passes me, he looks away, looks to the right, looks away from me, right? So what does that tell me? Well, it tells me, one, he either loves fucking plowed fields, or two, right, his brain told him, that's a fucking consequence. I'm going to look away from it. His brain told him to do that, right? Think about it. There's freeze, fight, or flight, right? Flight. This guy can't literally fucking drive his truck into a field, right? It's going to look a little too obvious. So how does his brain deal with that? Simple, man. I call it perceived proxemics. What he does, he looks away. And what's he trying to do? Picture himself being in that fucking field away from this guy that's sitting left in the cop, right? So he's looking away. He's it's his body's way of dealing with that stress. And then he continues. But then I watch what he does with the vehicles around him. And this dude is just fucking creeping. So I took my foot off the brake and I inched forward just a little bit, dude. And he hits his brakes. Mm. So I know he's watching me, right? Luckily for me, one of his brake lights was out. So went after him, pulled him over, set him in the unit, dude. And this guy, he was, he's one of my case studies in my classes. Uh, this dude was the, God, man, he was a freaking pro, dude. Like if you did not ever study uh, verbal interpretation, right? Or verbal analysis, this guy would smoke you all day long, man. Like zero nervous behavior. I mean, nothing. Um, and this is something to listeners that are there are cops out there, man. You really want to get good at seeing the behavior. Go back to the last case you got where a guy had a gun, a guy had dope, he had whatever, right? Go back to that video. 
rewatch the video, but put your audio on mute and learn. Freaking learn. It forces you to do what? Yes. It forces you to watch that body. So I, so I put this guy's video on my company Facebook page, right? I put his video out there as a test video to tell the students, look, what do you think? If you think he's smuggling, tell me why. And I muted the audio. I muted it. Hmm. You had a few guys that might have picked up on a few things, but for the most part, the vast majority was, it's cool, calm, and collected. Well, sitting next to the guy, he was cool, calm, and collected. I'll tell you straight up. I had an ICE agent right in the back seat riding with me that day. Hmm. We step out of the unit. I told him, I had sent him a text while we were interviewing the guy, the guy in the back seat. I said, hey, bro, uh, I don't, we don't have cages in our car. So I said, hey, bro, um, text the guys, tell them we got a load. So we step out of the car, right? And I'm like, hey, just text the guy. He's like, nah, man, this guy ain't loaded. And I said, bro, 100% this guy's loaded. And he said, nah, he ain't loaded. Cool. Well, sure as shit, the guy had three and a half kilos of Coke underneath the intake manifold in his engine. Shit. Yeah. So this guy, if you look at him, bro, he looked like a, just a hardworking old man, dude. And that was his story. That was his rehearsed story when I stopped him. He was going to Houston to look for a job. You know, he's been jobless, blah, blah, blah. And dude, he's the kind of guy you look at that and you're like, man, I, I could, I could see that, I could believe it, right? Um, but he's like the pro, dude. He's the guy that that's not very common, but his tolerance level is just so high. And the reason is, is because he got through it so so many freaking times successfully, bro. Mm-hmm. That you know, it's in an engine. How many cops are even going to look in the engine of this truck, right? No one. And 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 if you know what you're looking at, like that was, and we get asked this a lot, right? Was it a cold stop? Was it a lookout? Was it this, this, this? That 100% was a cold stop, right? And the guy was in cuffs within maybe the first three minutes of the stop, right? Finding the, the dope in the engine. Um, so there's a lot of elements in that one little stop, Mike. But that forces you to do what, man? Too many cops get training on what? Body language. Body language. The body doesn't lie. Body. Well, bullshit. The body does lie. That's where we're fucked up as cops, man. We need to get away from just thinking that and being so just, you know, one-minded thinking, oh, the body, I got to watch the body, the body. Yes, the body gives you great freaking clues, man, right? Yes, it does. It tells you when you're uncomfortable. The the A lot of folks will tell you the feet are the most uh, truthful part of the body because that's they're going to point in the direction where that person emotionally wants to be away from us, right? Um, but, man, you got to listen to what they're saying. So, in my classes, I focus a lot more on the verbal analysis, right? And here's the way I look at it, Mike. A person can be tolerant, right? If you deal with a gang member on the street, let's say you deal with a prison-hardened gang member, right? And you approach him on the street, Mike. You're like, hey, bro, you carrying any shit? What's he going to tell you? Go fuck yourself? Yep. Right? I mean, seriously, right? Let's, let's say, let's call it what it is, bro. I'm sure that your prison gang members aren't any different from ours down here, right? Yeah. Hey, bro, can I talk to you? No, fuck you the fuck out of here right that's kind of shit we get would you ever talk to a cop like that when you're 15 no 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 okay why you get my ass kicked mm, i respected cops there you go <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> right but but why don't people do that right Be- because they know that this is the authority this is the law whatever fuck right but these gang members bro the way you gotta look at them is what they have been brought up in this lifestyle, man, where you, the cop, has been in their life their entire fucking life, whether it's a generational thing. Mom and dad are gang members, right? And we see that a lot, too. Well, if you deal with a gang member on the side of the street, he's not going to give a fuck. He's not going to be nervous. He's not going to be afraid of your badge or your gun. 
right? So what the fuck is different than a seasoned smuggler being, you know, pulled over? Nothing, nothing, dude. This guy's made it successfully so many fucking times past this. He might have had his truck search and guys missed it. So when we pulled him over, what is it? He's like, fuck, cakewalk, right? Nothing, dude. He's, he's going to, his behavior is going to be on point, bro. It's going to be fucking on point. Just no nervous behavior. But if we got to, if you just pay attention, man, one thing, there's one thing that every freaking smuggler, every dealer, there's one thing, man, they all have to do to be successful. And I'll tell you what that is, man. They have to fucking lie. Mm. They have to, right? I, in every load that I've ever fucking hit, bro, I've never walked up to a car. I mean, you got anything illegal like money in here? Oh, yeah, I got a million dollars in the fucking trunk. Belongs to some drug cartel guy. I'm taking it to him. <laughs> right? Shit's not going to happen, bro. Right? I mean, even if you pull over a street dealer. Hey, bro, you got any coke? Yeah, bro, I got an ounce down my crotch. Like, what the fuck? No, it doesn't happen. So they have to lie, man. So for me in my classes, yes, I put a lot of weight, man, into the the, the physical behavior. But I don't teach it from the aspect of all liars are nervous, right? I think we jade officers when we do that, dude, right? Um, because they start to believe that shit until they come up with a gang member who's not nervous, who doesn't give a fuck. And you're like, oh, this dude don't have shit. He doesn't care. Well, no, he does have shit. He's just not afraid of you. Ask him a few questions and pay close attention to the little behaviors, right, that he has when he lies to you, right? And you might pick something up. But here's the deal, bro. The body relies on a thing called cognitive dissonance, right? It's a, it's a theory that it's the struggle between right and wrong, if you would, right? Like, I know smoking drugs is bad, but fuck, dude, I got to do it to pay bills, right? No different than smoking. I know smoking's bad, but fuck, man, I'm addicted. I love it. No different. You know, eventually you might get cancer as a fucking consequence, right? Just like smuggling drugs. So the body has to deal with it. Now, cognitive dissonance is the same theory that runs a, a polygraph, right? Physical reactions because the per, the, uh, physiological reactions because what? The person's lying, right? It's kinesic reactions. That's what it studies. But the reason they're not admissible is because there's a billion fucking people on this planet and no two of those billion act the same fucking way. Mm. Everybody deals with lying differently. Just like that old man that I had stopped, Right. My largest load is 1.3 million. The guy had 1.3 million, uh, an assault rifle, eight boxes of ammo, and a Glock, all in a, a false floor, and a Range Rover. That guy was 72 years old. Hmm. When I caught him, bro, he was on his 13th trip. Jeez. Yeah. We debriefed him under proffer. He had a million dollars every trip, bro. He got 10% of the load. This dude's a fucking millionaire, bro. Yeah. And check this shit out. What's crazier is he drove his trips were from Dallas, Texas. To Monterrey, Mexico, bro. That is like a fucking 12-hour drive. Successfully. He had been stopped and searched six times, yeah. Um, so when I pulled that guy over, you talk about stone cold, bro. Stone fucking cold, man. The verbal analysis is what fucked him up. And, go ahead, Mike. Yeah, no. <clears throat> I mean, this is good stuff, man. I mean, this, I, you know, listening to you tell these, these things, man, it makes me think back on what I, you know, how I do things. Um, of course he's going to be stone cold that this guy's buddy's getting his fucking legs beat by a, you know, a two by four and his ass cheeks filleted off. Of course, what are you going to do to him that they aren't going to be able to do to him? You know what I'm saying? That's right. Um, and then in the, the prison response, uh, 
I was training a guy recently, and these guys were smoking dope. Uh, this was like last year. They were smoking dope in a car, and the guy just did a bid, and he just got out. There, he wasn't answering. He was evasive in the questionings, um, you know. But here's the difference. Here's the major takeaway with that: the eyes. The eyes don't lie. Mm-hmm. Someone who does prison time is going to look you right in the eye. Everyone they else know that, that, dude. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they know that, and they're going to be one worded on their responses. They're not going to jibber jab and talk. But here's the thing: when in this specific situation, uh, when we had him in handcuffs on this curb. I brought my rookie over and I was like, I want you to look at this. And I had him, I said, turn your head and you could see that carotid and that thing was going a million miles a minute. Yeah. No matter how. And there was a gun in the back of the car and he had dope um, in the car, but I knew it. Yeah. But that's, but you're not looking any other plain Jane officer. They're going to pass it. Who's just doing the operational robot. uh, You're trespassing. It's more than just a bullshit trespass call. You have to peel back the layers. The other thing is um, the tattoos. Tattoos used to be a big thing. Now they've changed that. They got away from tattoos because they're billboards. They're indicators for associations. So another thing that people really have to get away with, and this is, you know, cartels, gangs, it's all the same hand in hand. Where there's drugs, there's guns, there's guns, there's drugs. That's that's just how it is. Um, There is no age cap with gangs. Bro. People think that it's a typical no. gangbanger with his hat, you know, fifteen-year-old kid with his stupid fucking mohawk look, with his pants what? hanging off his ass, wearing Cortez sneakers. No, 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 no. That's not how this shit goes anymore. They're very, very sophisticated, and this is a major operation. Yeah. This is a major. They have their there's ranking, there's promotions, there's foot soldiers, there's structures, there's mules. This is a major, major. If they, I mean, they would probably make more money as an LLC with tax cuts. Trafficking fucking drugs into the U.S. than they would do under under the radar, off the radar, because it's all money. It's all about the money. So, um, yeah. To go to your point, <clears throat> I, you know, a thousand percent. Um, this is the behavioral indicators or what, what's the big bust. So you mean it's a process of elimination. You hit a hundred cars. If you get one, then that's the one. Whatever you know. If it takes you a couple months, a month or two, or whatever. I mean, then that's what you want, you know what I mean? But it's, it's like you said, it's the art. So going back to my question here, um, so is it more, co- are there more common, is there a more common vehicle that they use than other vehicles? And uh, is there a more common compartment? I know we're running out of time here, but is there more common compartment than, you know what I mean? Like what's a common vehicle that they use? So I'll people? say this, man. Um, there is, I and, and I try to stay away from common vehicles because what happens is young officers will hear that, right? Hey, look for this car. Look, this is the trend right now, right? Um, and what it does is it sort of biases that officer, right? And and the, the system that I teach, I, there's there's two things, right? That you have to freaking be at every traffic stop. I don't give a shit. Like you said, this guy's fully sleeved out, gang tats, whatever the fuck, right? I don't care, dude. If he has a sticker on the back of his car, it says, I fucking hate cops. Right. The one thing that we as officers have to try our best to be is unbiased. Right. And objective. We have to, man, because those are the two things that will freaking slaughter us in court later on. Right. So as far as vehicles, bro, I think here's the deal, man. Any vehicle in the United States could be exploited. Pass your car, 18 wheeler, whatever, dude. And we've seen so many of those, dude. 
And um, if there's space in a car, it can be exploited. That's just the way it is, right? Um, the engineering, dude, in, in Mexico was just, bro, it's mind-blowing. Like, offline, I'll send you some pictures of, like, transmissions we caught with guns. Transmission, actual running transmissions with money in them. Uh, transfer case, engines, the whole deal, bro, right? Um, so anything can go, right? The way we have to make officers approach searching a vehicle is don't get good at just searching gas tanks, right? Learning gas tanks, like the, the class you attended, Nick, right? Yeah. The gas tank. Don't get good at that, bro. Get good at it, but get good at firewalls. Get good at floorboard seats, batteries, engines, transmissions, the whole freaking deal, dude. Because when you're so well-rounded in watching behavior, right, you're going to make the right stop. You're going to make the right stop if you're good at watching behavior. You're going to search the right car if you're good at listening to those answers, right? And you're, you're getting a deception. He's lying for a reason, bro, right? So you'll get the right answers if you ask the right questions and you study the right behavior, right? But th- third, man. If you study cars and you know your shit, there's nothing that can get past you in that vehicle, dude. There's nothing. If you just know how to search a car properly and you understand the basics of it. So what I tell students is, dude, go befriend a fucking mechanic. Go work at a shop if you have to get better. Go do whatever you have to, man. The other day, I went to go get my brakes changed in my unit Friday. I sat there for two hours, bro. Two hours talking to the mechanic about a certain engine that I caught open a few years ago that we we're just trying to find different ways in. You know, that's what I'm talking about, man. I have a saying, Mike, and and man, you're going to love this, dude, because it's so fucking true, right? Experience is what you get when you don't get what you want. Mm. Bro, how many times, dude, and and any cop, dude, any good fucking cop out there will raise your hand to this question. How many times have you fucking let a car go and you're like, fuck, I know he has dope in that car. I fucking know it, dude. I just didn't find it. Yeah. Every cop in America should raise his hand, game. right? It's that, that's it, dude. Mm-hmm. So the takeaway is this, bro. My company, I'll tell you right now, dude, is 100% built on failure. It's, <laughs> dude, that's it. That's it. I teach from fucking failure. Yes, you're going to see a lot of success in that video, in that in the, in the class content. But, bro, I got that because I failed so many fucking times, dude. But you right? fell forward. You failed yeah. forward. Yeah, Bro, I could have easily gotten my ass kicked by an engine that I've never searched before, didn't know anything about because I was never a mechanic, right? I was a fucking trigger pull in the Marines before I became a cop. I didn't know shit about an engine, but I saw the guys around me hitting engines. So what did it force me to do? Bro, if I want to be this guy, I got to do what? I got to learn about engines. So I search cars, get my ass beat a few times in those engines. But what do I do? I, I Here's a choice, bro. I either fucking take it on the chin and just don't give a fuck and never search another engine or... I go to a mechanic shop and I work my ass off and I learn about those engines, right? And I listen to the other guys around me that are hitting those engines. Lose the fucking ego about, oh, I'm this, I'm that. I'm a great fucking street cop. You know what? Lose that bullshit attitude. Just get out there. Be humble. Ask questions, man. And just get as much experience as you can. Even if you fucking fail, you take something away from it. That's why I say that experience is what you get when you don't get what you want. Mm. Fucking take something away from it, dude. Every experience, man, that you have on the side of the road. Nice. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> we're going to break and then bring this back and wrap it up. Yes, we will. All right. Man. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be right back. Get live, get live, get live. 
Do you want to help the Roll Call Room podcast keep going? Of course you do. Join Patreon and pledge to the show each month. Tiers start at $5 and you can get some pretty cool shit with it, including swag and access to listen to episode clips early. So put that Starbucks coffee down and help my dad keep the show going. Don't be a fucking Steve. Go to rollcallroom.com to pledge today. All right, we are back from our uh, third break. We are back with uh, Mike from 720 Interdiction. Um, our last segment before we uh, wrap this bad boy up. Yeah, so Mike, um, like we were just talking on a break, I was sharing a story with him, and I think that you know I should, it would be good to share it with our listeners because we're two episodes into this thing, and, and everyone's like, okay, great, but that's Texas. That's where all the cartels are. It's like shooting fish in a barrel. You're going to have these fucking assholes from wherever talking this bullshit. Oh, uh, whatever. It, you know, he's been doing it forever. Uh, I'm just a fucking deputy in, in rural Ohio. In reality, no, because, you know, um, when I was in narcotics and the thing is, it's like <laughs> people are like, oh, you know, Mike sounds pretty legit. He was in narcotics. He was in gangs. No, 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 no. When I took a promotion to get into detective, there is no fucking training. You might go to some class, you might go to some bullshit interview and inter- kinesic interview and interrogation course. Yeah. And it's some old salty fucking FBI guy <laughs> might've worked a couple good cases in his career, but he's just doing this for extra fucking cash on the side. And, and it, it's death by PowerPoint. You know what I mean? He's going off shit that was taught in the fucking eighties. You know what I mean? Is there some value in it? Yeah. You take one thing, you keep it moving. But the thing is, is that you it's it's this con like you've been saying it since the beginning of this episode that we're doing. You have to get out here and learn this stuff. You're only as good as your train. Like a master plumber, a master electrician. It's a journeyman, bro. You gotta fucking take it to the next level. Like you're saying with going to mechanic shop. You have to do these things. Like you have to, you know, hone in with the guys that are doing it, that are walking the walk and you know, and talking the talk. So, you know. I've had, uh, you know, when I was in narcotics, guys pulled me off the road and they said, like the story I was telling you, hey, I don't know about this case real here. Um, can you come by? Can you swing by? And me and this guy from, um, you know, Homeland Security investigator, we swung by this hotel and it turned out it was a massive fucking prostitution sex trafficking ring. And the guy was literally passed down the parking lot, bro, suspicious vehicle, Mississippi tags, and he was fucking passed out and he was popping Molly driving you know through states all night long to get to virginia and he was in this fucking days in parking lot with a gun in the back seat and he was popping fucking molly to stay up all night and i think the gun was like in plain view i mean it was as simple as that but it was like a suspicious guy sleeping in the parking lot called him by property manager blew up we knew that he was there with some girls the girls were there we narrowed down the room we knew that there was more girls and this thing turned into a federal federal sex trafficking case and I'll share a little bit of the details, but there was this guy was actually, he would send girls. He was from Dallas. He was a Crip gang member, black male suspect, white female uh, prostitutes. And he would send them on Greyhounds buses. He would say, we're going to set up in DC. You need to go. So he'll send two, three girls, but he would never send two girls to the same hotel. 
he would send one here and one here, but close to each other within proximity. So if he needed to handle something for security purposes, he can shoot over and it's only a couple minute drive. Smart. The hotels are so extremely sophisticated fucking operation, bro. Yeah. You can't make this shit up. But unless you know, you don't know. We don't never know. And where do we get all this information? From the girls. Mm-hmm. The girls, because they, they've never really interacted with the police, the, the fucking pimp. Yeah, they have a script. Oh, my boyfriend or whatever. He tells them you say this. But the more time you spend with them, the more they're going to come off it because these girls are fucking broken. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. Um, but a lot of this, there's there's this nexus with prostitute. It's not just a prostitute. <clears throat> it's not just a thief stealing fucking Tide from the local supermarket. He's stealing because he's feeding that heroin habit. Who the heroin is coming from a distributor who this guy buys the heroin to re up because heroin deals always go early in the morning and they're buying from a local person who has a nexus to a narco, a fucking uh, cartel. Yeah. And that's where it comes down. So, why do you need this training or why me or why here or why there? You got to go to these calls. You got to write in. You know what I used to do, bro? Sunday mornings. Everybody thinks, oh, it's a Sunday morning. It's bullshit. No. Hit the fucking parking lots of hotels. Mm -hmm. Run every tag in the parking lot of the hotel. Because one might come back wanted. One might come back stolen. There will be a flag. It will be an NCIC as a criminal gang member. Why are they here with Texas tags? Are they construction workers? Are they? And these guys said they're transient as fuck. It's not just New Jersey or, you know, West Virginia. There's always a nexus, but you're never going to know unless you've had that conversation and made that contact. So I'm just driving that point home because everyone thinks, oh, Texas is the hub of cartels. No, motherfucker. The hub of cartels is every interstate, every route that runs through the blessed USA. Yeah, they're gonna all try to get them from somewhere, bro. And all if you take it, and I'll make this last point, Mike, and I'll let you, I'll let you Not hammer me. it home. But every cartel route is trying to get to Canada or Mexico. They're trying to push that dope because the further away, the higher the price rises for the cost of dope. Yeah, am I wrong? No, you're you're absolutely right. You know what I'm saying? So you gotta, um, you gotta. I know we can't get this done because we can literally do this. We can do an episode on fucking compartments. We can do an episode on tires. We can do an episode on yeah, van. Whatever, bro. You know what I'm saying? But that's why we want to drive this all towards uh, 720 interdiction because this is what Mike is going to cover. So I'm done with my rant. So oh, Mike, bro, good. at home, bro. No, so I love hearing hearing things like that. And I'll tell you this, man. Here's something that that most folks don't consider. Um, we have teams, man, from all over the United States, like interdiction, full-time teams from state teams to local teams, whatever. They come and ride at this a lot, man. Um, and here's the deal. They all come, uh, scratch that. A lot of them come with that mindset, right? A lot of folks have never been down here that, oh man, it's South Texas. We're going to hit a shit ton of dope. It's this, it's that. But here's the problem though. Um, if you drive, um, a South Texas license plated vehicle, right? In Virginia in a shitty part of Virginia. Mm-hmm. Chances are that guy might get stopped, right? Because he's what? Out of South Texas, a fucking known drug hub, the largest drug hub in the United States, probably. Um, right? He's he's up here. You pull this guy over, he has no business here. He's just, oh man, visiting a cousin. What's your cousin's name? Fuck, I don't know. Right? Whatever. Okay. He's that anomaly. Now think about this, bro. When we work, every vehicle that passes us 
is either a Texas plated car or a Mexico plated car. So you want to talk about really like having to hone your skill in, into seeing that behavior on roadside. Dude, this is incredible. I wish we could say we hit loads every single day. Shit, I wish we could say we'd hit loads every single month, right? But dude, it is hard, man. It is freaking hard. You have just mass amounts of drugs coming out here. And the analogy I used last week, remember, bro, you have those five Cadillac Escalades, right? How do you pick that one? That freaking one, they all look good to stop, right? So that, that's why I focus on that, that, that behavioral driven training, not this like a checklist type shit that I've seen some guys do, man, because it just, it doesn't work, right? It just doesn't work. And I, and I proved that in my classes, right? I have tonight, I'm teaching a class called interdiction myths. And that's where I destroy a lot of those things, right? Uh, we, we have to bypass the racial lines, right? We have to, bro. If you are so biased to think that only Mexican is going to smuggle 50 keys of Coke, you're sadly freaking mistaken. Mm-hmm. Sadly mistaken. My boys and gender. And gender. Okay, so let me tell you, bro. My boys out of Birmingham, Alabama, Lane Thompson and some of his guys, dude, they were tracking this old-ass white lady down here, coming down by us, passing us up. And we were tracking her in LPRs, last put readers, right? Lane calls up. He's like, yeah, she's on her way back. And y'all just not fucked her. We're going to get her up here. Absolutely, bro. They hit her. She is a fucking false floor in the rear of her car. It's old white lady, dude, mm-hmm. right? False floor loaded with, I think it was coke or meth, kilos and kilos and kilos of it. We looked at her license plate traffic, bro. Before we knew about her, she was smoking us like a fucking joint, man. Like she was. So I showed the picture to my wife, Rebecca. I said, what does this lady look like to you? She said, holy fuck. That looks like every other lady I'd come across at Hobby Lobby. <laughs> I was like, yeah, dude. That's why they're so effective, man. But, but it's true though, right? That's why we have to look beyond all that. We have to stay unbiased and we have to mean uh, objective to everything we do, man. Because if we cloud it with any bias, bro. You're beat. You're beat. Just remember this, man. If you're a cop, a liar is going to beat you successfully, right? When he knows he's managed to change your perception of him. The minute he makes you believe that, hey, bro, I'm a retired cop, man. I'm fucking good to go. You're beat. The minute you pull him over and you walk up to the vehicle and you make your contact and he's a 65-year-old retired Vietnam vet. Beat. If you believe that guy can't smuggle drugs. It's fucking, dude, it's it's insane, man. You have to remain completely un- unbiased, right? So when you hit your lights, leave the fucking bias in your unit when you get out and go talk to these people. And it sucks to even have to say that, but that's the way it is, bro. You got to watch the uh, 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 the movie Mule. The Mule, yeah. 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 yeah bro. Great movie. Mule yeah, and the fucking and, and Sicario. Educate yeah. yourself because that shit, I, I bet my fucking paycheck. I think Mule more. Based- it's based on a true story, especially Sicario. Now, I, bro, there's so many stories, dude. Actually, a lot of people don't understand this, that there's actually, when I was on the task force, there's a, a, a newsletter that comes out in Mexico from the federal government provided to everybody and shows bodies hanging from bridges and shit. Oh, yeah, bro. Yeah. Everyday thing in Mexico. I got a video set to me this week of, of guys – in a ranch, dismembering bodies mm-hmm. with their bare hands, bro. Cutting people up like they're freaking cattle. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that's our enemy right now, man. That's who we're dealing with. Oh, man, this that's is crazy. Cool. I love it, man. Mike, can't thank you enough. Seven nah, bro. Thank zero you. Interdiction, man. 720 Interdiction. Nick, you want to hammer it home? 
Yeah, so folks, uh, we got another one in the books. Um, I want to do a couple of different plugs. So we got uh, 720interdiction.com. I want you to log on there. Uh, They're on Instagram, too. We tag them and everything on Instagram about these episodes. A couple of other plugs. Check us out on Patreon. Uh, Keep the show going. Um, If you're not a pledger for Patreon, please log on to rollcallroom.com. I put a tab right at the home screen. Just go on there. Uh, We have three different tiers that you can pledge to. uh, And uh, you get some cool swag. uh, So that's good. Um, Don't forget Tag Fink. That's our nonprofit. um, If you're uh, able to contribute to that as well. Uh, We also rolled out... Our, our peer support training class. Um, by the time that this episode comes out, the first class will be done. Uh, but we will be doing semi-weekly classes on peer support. Um, so check that out on rollcallroom.com. If you need to get a hold of me, you can reach me at nick at rollcallroom.com. You can reach Mike at rollcallroom.com. And one more time, 720interdiction.com. Be safe and take care of each other. Be safe. Live your legacy. Don't catch the Rona. All right, fans. Thanks so much for tuning in to another great episode of the Roll Call Room. I want to remind you that uh, we are on YouTube. Go on our YouTube channel and subscribe. We're also on Twitter at Roll Call Room. We're also on Facebook at Roll Call Room Podcast. We're also on Instagram. Uh, we're always asking for you guys to go on iTunes and rate us a five star with a comment. Um, helps us climb the charts. Uh, don't forget to check out bluehelp.org. Uh, if you're struggling out there um, and you need somebody to talk to, we'd highly recommend them. Don't forget about our nonprofit, um, tagfink.com. We got some great shows coming up soon. And uh, we love hearing from you guys. So please email us at nick at rollcallroom.com or mike at rollcallroom.com. And always take care of each other, look out for each other, and check on each other.